welcome you webinar uh, series that we are now, I think, on the 270th or something like that. We intend to do this every two or three days because there needs to be general information on many things in Pakistan. And we need to have a general discussion and dialogue. So we hope at PID we can create a webinar series that will create a debate within the country on key issues and a deep debate. Um, my take on this, uh, you'll enjoy it, is Afghanistan happened about a month ago. And we have had 5,556,000 webinars on Afghanistan. There are three or four webinars a day. Um, it am amuses me that in our country, we have so many webinars, so many webinars on Afghanistan, but we have no webinars on our own economy. Every TV channel is talking about Afghanistan, but nobody wants to talk about our economy. So welcome to the PID webinar. My name is Nadimul Haq. Let me begin by announcing what, that we are uh, participating or collaborating jointly with Bank of Punjab. And we are very, very happy to collaborate with the Bank of Punjab. We would love to collaborate with Pakistani institutions, especially key institutions like the Bank of Punjab, which is a reputable, very um, uh, good institution. And we were exceptionally thrilled to hear that the Bank of Punjab is engaged in, uh, um, in um, agriculture research on the agricultural sector. And so therefore, this is a great opportunity to develop a dialogue on this subject. And agriculture, as you all know, is a very important um, sector, obviously. Um, in Pakistan, it has been traditionally recognized as an important sector. But then uh, many people say that we've ignored it. But I leave that for the speakers to tell you. Many people say there's a lot of potential in agriculture. Again, I will leave that for the speaker to speakers to tell you. So we're going to have a wonderful discussion on the agricultural sector. We've got a number of great speakers. But first, we've got our chief guest, um, uh, Minister Hashim Bakht, the, the um, uh, finance minister of uh, the government of Punjab. So therefore, uh, let me first welcome the chief guest to give his own um, his keynote address or his talk on uh, the agricultural sector, and then we'll begin the webinar. Thank you, Nadeem Zab. It's a pleasure to join you today. Uh, your webinars are indeed very informative. And the way I see you bringing value is that you do pose those tough questions and you do go after those things which, uh, you know, normal policymakers usually circumvent in terms of uh, <clears throat> looking at those aspects of things. So I think this would be a great value addition for us who are sitting here. Um, and I'm grateful to uh, Zafar Masood and his team for working very diligently on this policy topic and also on various agriculture initiatives that have uh, gained pace now in Punjab. Just a brief overview. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not only from my days, but this probably date backs to your days, Nadeem Saab, even that. Zarat hamari reed ki haddi hai, maishat ki reed ki haddi hai. So we have been hearing that, and I think at least by now the L3 and L4 of this reed ki haddi is severely damaged. Um, there are a lot of issues uh, which we see with this sector. One is on the productivity aspect of it. Second is 
the crop patterns. Third would be, um, you know, the farm to market, the value additions, the role of Arat, uh, how this feeds into your uh, inflation, what we are doing in terms of import substitution of those stable crops, how are we trying to gravitate towards areas where we can actually benefit from it. COVID has posed another challenge. I'm sure you all of you are very well versed and how the food inflation prices are globally shooting up. I think the consumption patterns have also substantially changed uh, due to COVID. Uh, so when we, whenever we have these discussions and whenever you know, the policymakers also bring um, others to the table, the discussions which take place are mainly focused on, and the credit is given to identification of problems. So I would just like that perhaps today's webinar could take a different take on it, where we focus more not on identification of the existing issues. I'm sure all of us are very well versed in it, but let's talk about various interventions which are being done in it, the inefficiencies around it, the, grab, the gaps which we feel exist, and where do you think the focus, the reorientation of focus should lie? as far as policy is concerned. Um, in terms of, while there are various things which we can talk about, one of the low hanging fruits, which I consider, and I think this is for me, in terms of priority, one of the key initiatives which we are taking in Punjab, uh, is that not a comparison of what the output or the yield is right now in China, what the yield is in India. I'm, in my first phase, looking at what is the best yield in that patwar circle. There is always this one farmer who is beating your average, who's doing 50 mons of wheat. He has the same access to fertilizer. He has the same access to the same quality of pesticides, soil quality and water resources are pretty much the same. So what are those farming practices which are making him be an outlier and how can we replicate those? So that has led to a focus on extension services and we're looking to privatize our agriculture uh, extension services. It would be um, you know, good to tell you that extension services so far are geared towards the number of visits that these individuals do, the agriculture's invest in uh, extension are. So that we visited in this district 500 times and this year we've done 700 visits while the output of that district might not have changed but now that is the way we are going to go about is that we're going to focus on the outcomes of that district we're going to focus on those farmers we're going to bring them to light the ones who are doing best practices and then of course there's this entire financial value chain also it has for, for us to ensure that people gravitate towards crops which are necessary for our food security. They have to be economically attractive. Any other factor of uh, you know, persuading farmers does not really yield that dividend. Thirdly, I think the way we are structured in the government also, where we have agriculture department, we have irrigation separately, but just from the Neher, anything onwards that falls under agriculture's water management, 
Then we have food department, which just looks at one or two of our staple foods, for example, predominantly wheat. These silos also are not taking into consideration how next year would be, how the impact of agriculture forecasting or lack thereof, which has been uh, in the past, how that results in food inflation, what sort of banking lines are required going forward. Anyways, it's 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 uh, it's something which I feel that the gaps, that the disconnect between the various departments of the government also exists, which we are trying to address now in terms of uh, looking at a much more uh, comprehensive spatial view we're taking so that food department, irrigation and agriculture are looked at holistically. So with these few comments, I would just like to kickstart this discussion. And I hope that, you know, whatever meaningful comes out of it, we are able to translate that into actual policy measures. And uh, I thank you once again for welcoming me here. And I look forward to uh, this webinar. And Dr. Nadim, please add me to yourself, sir. Uh, thank you, Minister Sab. Thank you very much. That was a, um, a very good overview of agriculture. But um, let me just say that we at PIDE have done some work on this and we feel that the biggest problem is the government. The government interferes too much in agriculture. And perhaps it's time that we allowed some agricultural markets to function uh, from wheat to inputs. The government is basically the player in agriculture. And um, uh, somehow, so everything that happens in agriculture somehow has to be transmitted to the government. But we'll come to that later. Let me call uh, uh, the BOP president, Mr. Zafar Masood, who has kindly taken up this topic, who has initiated this discussion, who is responsible for this. So, Zafar Saab, my congratulations to you for starting this. So let me bring it to you. Thank you. Uh, uh, you know, this is our uh, inaugural uh, webinar for the research program that we've started at Bank of Punjab. And, uh, you know, when um, um, Saim was joining us as chief economist, um, you know, uh, one of the main aspects that, you know, I was looking for to have the research, which is out of the box, which is not generally done uh, as part of the um, uh, uh, of the ex various research uh, initiatives by the universities, by the um, uh, by the research houses um, that we would do at Bank of Punjab, and that's something which is important for the for the country. And this has happened to be the first project that we picked up. We uh, we had decided to uh, to look at you know. Um, uh, uh, agriculture in a different light, which it deserves to be looked at in an agrarian economy uh, where, you know, um, there has been a narrative for the last couple of decades uh, that, you know, this, um, 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 uh, that the contribution of, of agriculture is mainly 20%. So why does it matter so much uh, apart from only one aspect, which is the employment aspect? We thought that's important to put things in context and perhaps figure out what would be the, what is the real impact of it. And I'm extremely uh, encouraged and thankful to you, Dr. Saab, um, for giving us this platform, for, for supporting us and giving us uh, 
um, you know, this opportunity to work on this and inshallah in the future projects as well. Um, I welcome all the participants to today's launch. Um, uh, Nadeem sahab, aapka aur Pite ki puri team ka bhoat shukriya for organizing it. Hashim sahab, aapka bhoat shukriya for accepting it uh, to be the chief guest. And your team for uh, working with us and providing the most valuable contribution for the study. I would like to uh, pay my special gratitude to Salim Raza sahab, who is not only um, uh, uh, an intellectual uh, that I have huge respect for, he is also our senior. We've learned a lot from him and learning every day uh, for actually motivating us to undertake the study on this difficult subject. Especially considering the fact that, as I said earlier, there is very limited research available on it. I would like to appreciate the inputs provided by Mr. Kazim Said. He and his organization, the Pakistan Agriculture Coalition, is working on the ground with rural communities across Pakistan and had been able to share the realities on the ground with us to come up with the most viable policy recommendation, which I will cover later on. And, and perhaps Kazim and Saim and uh, the other authors will also cover it, cover it in, their, in their piece. I'm very, grateful, I'm very grateful to the planning ministry and Mr. Zafrul Hassan for taking time to partner with us on this study. Thank you very much. Uh, why did BOP undertake this study? The biggest problem faced by the economy today are high food inflation and a growing import bill and high public debt. In many ways, in many ways these problems are linked to low agriculture output as a farm output has failed to keep pace with the growing population, leading to growing reliance on imported food items. In the last decade, agriculture has been largely neglected. It's in fact last couple of decades. Policymakers have instead focused on growth uh, driven by services and to some extent, the manufacturing sector. This is also true for banks that do not see the agriculture sector as a growth sector and hence limit lending to the sector. It gives me a very heavy heart to uh, share with you that in the last three years, loans to agriculture sector are stagnated at 5% of total loans industry-wide. Not a satisfying picture at all. We at Bank of Punjab see significant growth potential in agriculture sector, and hence have increased lending to agriculture sector and its allied industries by 35% in the last three years. But to be honest and fair with you, our base was very small. So this 35% uh, growth doesn't give me, uh, you know, the real satisfaction that I could uh, enjoy by quoting this number. But nevertheless, the point is that we are on, the, on that path and we realize that this is something we need to focus on and make sure that, you know, we capitalize on this sort of uncharted territory. The share of agriculture sector and its allied industries have increased in nine, to 9% of the total lending in our portfolio as of June 2021. The true potential of the sector has been underreported, leading to neglect of sector from successive governments. There was no study available that provides an estimate of the direct and indirect contribution of agriculture sector to GDP growth. Hence, 
I tasked a research team, very ably spearheaded by Syed Saimali, to conduct this study and estimate the real contribution of the sector to the national GDP. What, what have been our key findings in this report? There are essentially three key findings. Number one, direct contribution of agriculture sector. In constant prices, the share of agriculture has declined sharply in the dec last decade to 19.2% of GDP in 2021 to 22% of GDP in 2010. This is reflective of stagnant farm output due to low productivity and high post-harvest losses. However, in current prices, the share of agriculture has increased marginally to 25.7% of GDP in 2021, from 24.3% in 2010. Unfortunately, this rise in share is not due to higher output, but rather higher prices of crops, either due to rising international prices or higher minimum support prices fixed by the government. Government interventions, subsidies, support prices, etc., have been successful to the extent that higher budgetary transfer have led to decline in poverty rates. However, they have been largely unsuccessful in enhancing efficiency and productivity of farm output. Hence, agriculture sector is unable to absorb the growing unemployed workers in the rural communities. Number two, indirect contribution. Our research shows that the agriculture sector is a key input for the manufacturing and services sectors with estimated contribution of 6.7% to GDP. Using the input-output table, tables published by Asian Development Bank, our team finds strong forward and backward linkages of the, of the agriculture sector with other value-added sectors. Industries such as food and beverages, textiles, leather and food products are the biggest consumers of agriculture output, whereas agriculture is a key consumer of fertilizer and chemicals. Hotels, restaurants, and transport services are heavy consumers of agriculture input, whereas bulk of agriculture products are sold through the wholesale and the retail markets. Number three, rural household consumption spending. Now that's also very, very important. Consumption spending by the private sector is the single largest contributor to the GDP, accord, uh, accounting for 81% of the GDP in 2021. Out of the total estimated population of 207 million people, around 132 billion people, which is 64%, lives in rural areas. The livelihoods of majority of the population living in rural areas is linked with the agriculture sector and its allied industry services. Based on the household's income expenditure survey 2018-19, our team estimated that the total spending of rural households on purchase of goods and services is around 14% of GDP. We can use this proxy for contribution of farm incomes contribution to the national GDP. Now the conclusion of the report. Based on our research analysis, we estimate that the total direct and indirect contribution of agriculture sector is 46.4% of GDP. To my mind, this is the true reflection and the importance of this sector for this agrarian economy, where the manufacturing is, 
is predominantly based on the agriculture output. The agriculture sector has a multiplier of 1.8, meaning that for every 100 rupee output produced in agriculture sector, the contribution to national GDP is around 180 rupees. The economy cannot sustain GDP growth rates of 6% without significantly enhancing productivity and output of agriculture sector. Now policy recommendations. The focus for policymakers needs to be on enhancing productivity of farm sector, which in turn will lead to higher incomes for rural community and support higher growth in the economy. The productivity gap between average farm output uh, and output of farms that have adopted technology and have access to credit is estimated to be 40%, something that the minister earlier alluded to as well. We have prioritized six key government interventions uh, to achieve the, the, uh, the, um, the requisite growth in this sector, which includes number one, availability of modern farm, farm machines. Number two, modern storage facilities, including cold storage facilities, where some sort of viability gap funding will be, will be a must. Private-public partnership will be the most viable route structure to follow. And I would like to work with government of uh, Punjab on this and take this forward as a project in Punjab. I know this is something that PSC has been pursuing very rigorously and State Bank at some point in time when Salim Saab was there were quite adamant to take it forward, but somehow it fizzled out uh, somewhere in the thin air. We need to work together to revive this again. Number three, higher yielding seeds, hybrid or imported seeds for higher productivity. To my mind, that's also a core problem that we need to address and the, and the requisite regulatory uh, interventions are required at the government level, both at the federal government level at the provincial government level to ensure that you know, the, the, the quality of seed is, is, uh, is, um, is improved. Number four, better credit availability, especially for the small farmers through risk-sharing schemes. Kamiya Pakistan is one such initiative in, initiative in the pipeline. And I'm personally very excited about it, although I have, I'm biased as well. I happen to be the convener of Kamiya Pakistan program, that this would help big time in supporting the small farmers in improving their yields. Number five, crop insurance schemes with higher coverage in outputs and, and payouts. This would require both the restructuring of the existing credit insurance product of SBP and the introduction of, of yield insurance scheme. Again, something very close to my heart. Yield insurance is something which is very close to my heart and the cost of the proposition is, is very high initially, but due to relatively smaller portfolio, but that is due to relatively smaller portfolio of farm credit. And at least initially, the government intervention and support will be essential. Although we, along with a couple of other banks, have decided to launch this as, as pilot, but the sustainability of this scheme would require uh, a, a real funding support at the government level. And lastly, a, a shift to higher yielding crops, fruits, vegetables, et cetera, will surely boost incomes 
of, uh, of small farmers. Nadeem Saab, uh, uh, once again, thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. I'm looking forward to working with you on our future projects as well. Uh, we have the next one uh, we're planning to do is on blue economy, and then followed by the bottom-up approach through the schemes like Kamiya Pakistan program and their impact on the economy. So thank you very much for giving us this opportunity and looking forward to having a, a continuous relationship with you. Shukriya. Zafar Sahib, this is absolutely wonderful. Uh, you can't, I can't tell you how much I can, how much I appreciate what you've done. I think it's about time that our corporate sector step up to, um, to take on um, activities like yours, to understand the economy of Pakistan, to try and develop new ideas, new approaches, and work with our think tanks and universities. I've often complained that one of the biggest problems is that our corporate sector, especially banks, do not want to use local universities, which is a big issue in Pakistan. Shafatareen and the Prime Minister has also talked about it. So I really, really warmly congratulate you on taking the leadership. You, mashallah, have proven yourself to be a corporate leader in this regard. And this is a great study. We find some very interesting things in there. We'll discuss it later. But let me invite Salim Raza, the former governor of the Central Bank, um, well-known um, policy um, thinker in this country. Salim Saab, Bataye, what is your view on this uh, on, on this subject, agriculture sector in Pakistan? Uh, thank, th thank, thank you, Radeem. Uh, and good afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me commend uh, Bank of Punjab for preparing the study, which I hope can be uh, can ignite uh, you know a debate about <clears throat> how, in the relatively short term, over the next two three years, we can uh, revive or, or, or boost agriculture <clears throat> to out of its stagnation to to sustainable higher levels of growth than it has shown over the last several decades. Uh, and, and that's really the purpose, I think, of this, uh, of this introduction that all the prior speakers have made to the subject. You know, let's have a discussion. Now, let me just talk about the report briefly. Um, it emphasizes the critical underpinning agriculture provides to our national economy, and it draws attention to the historic causes of very limited progress in production and productivity, and makes practical recommendations, importantly, for new practices, new regulations, incentives necessary for agricultural productivity to accelerate, which, by the way, needs uh, a whole variety of service providers, a service provider industry to support agriculture. And really, uh, if the, in the end we discuss how we can add wheels and incentives to, to make the service provider industry real, uh, that would be most helpful. Now, to begin with, as the study shows, the overall growth rate of agriculture, in fact, since 1990, has been about 2.3%, about the same as our population. So zero net growth uh, in farmer per capita. And in this 2.3, livestock has grown at twice the, the rate of crops. And livestock is now about 60% of GDP. So as uh, Zafar said, if our aim is to achieve a 6% sustainable GDP in the overall economy, 
it's it, that that target is absolutely untenable unless we can <clears throat> ramp ramp agriculture up to you know, more or less double what it is now, nearer five percent than the two point three percent. The study also demonstrates that agricultural value added is in many cases muted through diversion of its contribution to the other sectors, manufacturing and services. And if measured more deeply, uh, it may be significantly more than the official 25% on current terms uh, that's been mentioned. Now, <clears throat> how much agriculture is understated? I think it will vary across the sector. By understatement, I mean the difference between what a farmer gets and what the end product, uh, what the end product sells at. It's the degree of value added between the farmer's product and the end product that genuinely that determines whether that value added genuinely belongs to manufacturing or services. Now, in the, now, as I said, there's a spectrum. So let's take cotton. You know, if one pound of cotton goes into making one shirt. So of course, the shirt will cost, I don't know, 100 times or 50 times what one pound of cotton pays. And much of that, uh, all the value addition that goes into that process genuinely belongs to the manufacturing sector. So you've got ginning, you've got spinning, you've got weaving, you've got bleaching, dyeing, cutting, designing, sewing, and, and then, you know, sale. You're a departmental store with very high overheads. Now, these are all value added stages and uh, this this value added generally belongs to the sectors that are producing it but let's take fruits and vegetables where what a farmer gets can be a small fraction or can be a fraction or significantly less than the market price and the value added stages the value added in in between take picking up a carrot from a farm and bringing it to the market the value-added stages, there is some risk, but the value-added stages are really not that much. So that that the the that increase in price uh, detracts something, takes away something that the farmer should have got gotten, and uh, you know other things lie within the spectrum of these two examples. So this steady diversion of the farmer's surplus to intermediaries who are not in the farming business themselves and therefore will not invest back invest back back. In uh, on the land and in productivity, yeah, you know that leaves the bulk of our farmers. And ninety percent of our farms are under twelve and a half acres, so this more leaves the bulk of our farmers unable really to uh, themselves, um, you know, move into better seed and better mechanization, land leveling, you know, uh, experimentation, diversion from this crop to that crop because they're better practices. They, they really get on into a sustenance mode and stay there. Now, there's no uh, study available, really, that systematically tries to ascribe uh, on this basis of, you know, the value added that should accru uh, accrue to agriculture in an efficient, well-serviced market versus what happens here. So the, 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 the value created that, that is not reflected in agriculture is, is considerable, and this study actually has, for the first time, attempted an exercise like that. It can be debated, it can be discussed, but they've used input-out, as, as Zafar mentioned, they've used uh, input-output tables, and they've used 
backward and forward linkages within intersectoral consumption uh, to make their own estimates. And as Mr. Zafar Musul said, their estimate is that agriculture is nearer the mid 40 percent, 46, 47 percent. Then the 25% uh, that it appears to be on, on, in current terms in our official data. Now, there's a series of recommendations. And the recommendations refer to actions that are not newly proposed, that have been talked about, uh, we're all aware of. But where, but where progress really has overall been quite, quite tardy. Now, there are organizations like the Pakistan Agri-Coalition, Mr. Kazim Saeed, will be talking in a minute, and he is the, the spearhead of this organization. It has a number of businesses and agri-experts in it. They've made a, a, a beginning trying to actually themselves, through their own initiatives, address some of what is required. But there's a lot of help from government needed in addressing identified needs uh, in regulation and sometimes in infrastructure, but more often in regulation, and so has the private sector. We all know that to ensure the growth of productivity in agriculture, uh, you know, the other side of productivity is the farmer's income. And the farmer's income cannot be increased without investment. Now, so how, how, does, how do we increase the farmer's income? And we all know the farmer's income can increase if he gets credit at standard rates, uh, and then rather through a multi, and then buy his inputs and, and sell his output rather than through a multi-intermediary process, be able to deal with the manufacturers on the input side and get as far up the chain as he can in value uh, on the selling side, on the end buyer side. Now, is this viable? Well, this is the area where service providers come in and Primarily, this is something that development banks have helped the agricultural sector, do, sector to do in many parts of the world. India has a huge uh, NABARD, uh, NABARD organization. Most banks have, have de uh, dedicated development banks that do this work. We don't, but that doesn't mean our private sector, uh, our bank, our private sector banks, if they don't put their mind, minds to it, if they put their minds to it, they can. Uh, uh, do do a lot of these things because they deal with the input suppliers and they deal with the end buyers, the banks themselves, in between the farmers. And if they take an initiative and connect this entire chain, uh, they will achieve what the farmer by himself cannot achieve today. But as, again, Mr. Zafar Musul said, our banks have not taken any great initiative in that direction. The farmer's income can increase with more use of better mechanized technology for all the processes, sowing, threshing, harvesting, land leveling, water spraying, de-weeding, et cetera. But uh, this, this technology, uh, the mechanization perhaps is one of the biggest missing pieces. Uh, now, now, who, what you have today are, uh, are small operators with uh, limited inventory, not very modern, who, who lease their equipment out, but we need much more than this. We need big corporate investment in a range of uh, technology, uh, agricultural technology machines uh, that can work across the different aspects of, of what, what the farm requires. Uh, and if, these, um, if, if the 
land planning, so the planning where uh, the mechanized work is going to be done, is is well executed. They can you can bring the prices down for uh, usage. You can bring the cost down, and <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Sir, please carry on, sir. Yeah, no, I, I thought it disappeared into space for a minute, but I <laughs> see them back among the living. So, um, so, so you need, uh, you need, uh, well, we haven't got sophisticated equipment manufacturers, but we certainly can have lessors. We can have certainly uh, leasing companies that take this up. And like I said, if we connect with banks that are lending, to farmers, then perhaps the banks can assure them of you know um, optimal utilization in terms of hours used or the leasing companies. But this again, you know, remains to be done, and we don't we don't really have that sort of in inventory today. Similarly, better seed, we've delayed the implementation, as I understand, of the Plant Breeders Protection Act, which is really a precondition if modern seed seed technology is to expand. And lastly, uh, you know, the farmer can increase his income if you can increase his holding power via the availability of supporting infrastructure. For example, warehouses, cold chains, uh, temperature-controlled uh, warehousing, uh, and the development of the commodity exchange, where the farmer can sell his products, his his product at market prices, or sell forward, or simply hedge himself, you know, as he wishes. So, so you know, these are the general issues and uh, what this whole segment really needs is uh, more government uh, involvement with simplifying uh, and and supporting in a regulatory sense and but it does need uh, a big surge by the private sector to come forward because this can be a, a very profitable business uh, and to complete the circle you will need banks in the middle of it this is where the cheaper credit will come from this is where an assured uh, level of client usage uh, to the to the you know to the providers and to the lessors in case of machinery uh, they can make that available uh, and so again if service provision in the area of seed uh, machinery warehouses cold chains uh, if it ramps up then advisory services to farmers will grow alongside this because to all these entities these these service providers. The, the farmer is the client, and, and a rising, more prosperous farmer, uh, you know, provides more business. So I think that's the kind of evolution we need. Now the question is, you know, how how much can we achieve in two or three years? But on the other hand, agriculture will act like a millstone on our growth uh, if we don't, uh, you know, all put our minds together to how we can achieve this spurt towards. Uh, higher productivity and therefore higher growth. So I leave it there and uh, you know let's see I look forward to hearing to to hearing other other views. Thank you Salim sir thank you very much. you've given us a very um, good amount of stuff to chew upon lots of things there. So there are lots of lots of things that need to be done. I'll turn to Mr. Kazim Saeed. he is uh, um, 
member of the Pakistan Agricultural Coalition, also written a good book called um, On Pakistan. Kazim Sab, can you please tell us? There's a lot of things to do, and we've talked about these things for decades now. Uh, where is the failure? Are these things ever going to happen, or are we going to keep doing webinars like this? Kazim Said Sab, over to you. Thank you. Nadeem Saab, um, I'd just like to thank uh, you, Aid, and the Bank of Punjab for the opportunity to provide inputs uh, to this policy note. Um, Asalaamu Alaikum to Honorable Minister, esteemed speakers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, on, Pakistan, on behalf of Pakistan Agricultural Coalition, let me register our agreement with the premise of the Bank of Punjab note um, that uh, focus has to be on um, agriculture for the kind of growth that the country needs at the seven, eight, nine percent GDP growth level. Salim Saab has spoken about that already. Um, in terms of uh, just a couple of comments on the note, allow me to point out that the policy note calculates the multiplier effect of agriculture in industry. And we believe that the calculated multiplier should be considered a lower estimate because in many crops, there's barely any processing, um, mainly due to inconsistency in the quality parameters of our produce, uh, which mainly goes back to the um, quality of seed and, and other factors. Mainly seed is where I would say the first focus has to be. So if we fix our agriculture sector, particularly starting with seed, its multiplier in industry uh, would be much higher. And that's, that is what connects to what uh, Salim Saab has mentioned. As if you go to four to 5% uh, real GDP growth in agriculture, we believe um, the path to seven, eight, nine percent GDP growth uh, for the national economy opens up. And uh, let me just uh, give a specific example. Look at the last 20 years of what has happened in maize, in uh, corn, makai ki jo fasal hai. The adoption of hybrid seed in maize over the past 20 years has helped a tripling of maize yields in this period. This has mainly happened in Punjab. And this has fed the poultry feed industry onwards the poultry industry, the silage industry for dairy, and of course, uh, industrial starch for the textile sector. Um, it also, I think, bears mention that on last uh, count, 79% or so of Pakistan's exports are based somehow or the other on agricultural exports. A good portion of it is textile, but there's other products, rice, uh, some of the fruits and vegetables. Well. Now, the question is, where can this uh, growth come from? And I think uh, one of the points that... Uh, has been made earlier is that, uh, I think Salim Saab mentioned, I'll pass very quickly through this, that livestock has shown um, tri thrice the kind of the real GDP growth that uh, the field crops have shown, which has been 1% field crops uh, over the last 10, 15 years, and same 1% or so for fruits and vegetables. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't focus on, um, on livestock. Um, that sector also needs, uh, has a long way to go, um, but the attention, the, the growth um, that we can actually get out of the low productivity levels and increase those in the major field crops and, uh, and fruits and vegetables, that's where the opportunity seems to be. I'll just take a, a detail. I'll go into a little more detail about what are the hurdles um, you know, in that direction, um, as Nadeem Saab, uh, Nadeem Saab has asked for. Now, I'll just make a slight detour here to talk about something that's equally important to the uh, growth story, um, and I think is, is not addressed in the paper directly. Um, 
the priority for our policymakers must be the use of water and water productivity. Um, some 93% of our fresh water is consumed in agriculture, and there are many interventions that can help um, save that water or conserve it. Uh, we talk mostly about large-scale infrastructure like dams, but given that our farmers are still forced to uh, practice flood irrigation, the cheapest way for Pakistan to save water is through interventions on farm. And um, the first one I would recommend is, uh, uh, which is quite uh, uh, widely spread in Punjab, certainly, is there's a land leveling. It's needed much more in Sindh because the um, aquifer uh, under the agriculture acreage in Sindh is brackish. And once whatever water seeps down, it's not coming back through a tube well for most of Sindh. And uh, laser land limiting is a lot less uh, widespread in Sindh than it is in Punjab. Now, um, let me connect this to the um, service provider story. And we really believe that the service, bringing more service providers with their access to capital, with their expert to, uh, access to expertise is a path forward, um, as has been said earlier. But let me just give this sort of, sort of you know, practical reality of what are the hurdles there. Now, laser land leveling, um, it's the cost of a laser land leveler will be in the range of half a million rupees, just rounding up. And the government of Punjab started a very commendable program about 15 years ago, where 50% of that cost was paid for by the government and any farmer uh, could become a service provider, could uh, pay for half of it, use it for their own farm and also become a service provider for other farmers. And uh, here I will note uh, Minister Hashim Jamabak's point about extension services. These laser land levelers, which are 16, 17,000 in Punjab by now, um, and they worked in the season, they work 24 hours a day nearly. Um, so the productivity of these machines is very high because these private small owners are, are operating there. Um, these guys have been the conduits of extension services and knowledge to the farmer on this small technology. Um, it's small, but it's, uh, you can't do precision agriculture without laser land leveling. So extension services have been brought to farmers and new knowledge has been brought to farmers through these service providers. And this is a very important point. when we talk about how new knowledge can, can reach farmers and stay with them and for them to follow it. Now, take this example and it, this model of support has been applied to larger machines for more complex operations such as transplantation, um, nursery raising and transplantation that machinery can cost three to five million rupees. And it is significantly more specialized uh, as a service to offer. You need to really understand the agronomy of that field and the variety of uh, product that's being saved for rice. Uh, this is more advanced in rice than other, than other crops. You need to understand the variety and the characteristics of that variety, et cetera. Um, so transplanters and harvesters for rice, rice paddy are typically expected to do 10 acres per day. And here, um, another problem that comes up is for, for farmers to become service providers, 90% of our farms are less than 12 and a half acres. So most farmers would only use the machine for one day and then off they go to other farms to give the service. It's, it's just something, given the cost of the machine, even giving 50% uh, subsidy, it doesn't, that model doesn't work. Now, this is where we can learn from other Asian countries yeah, like China, Vietnam. Um, China, Vietnam, etc., which have millions of smallholder farmers uh, like our, I, our country like and need higher leads. Salim sahab, mute Now, private service providers. Have, please, whoever's not speaking. Right. 
have private service providers have risen in these countries as well to fill the gap. And this really goes to the heart of what kind of agriculture sector and what kind of agriculture players we need to realize this goal, this haloed four to five percent uh, agriculture growth uh, we, we we want to see per annum. So let me go into a little more detail because just talking about you know service provider is not enough. Um, so all the models I'm talking about, we have actually built those business models uh, with real commercial players investing in them. So I'll give you a little bit taste of the practical reality. Um, we compared for warehousing service, as Zafar mentioned. We compared um, what it what um, kind of business environment you are facing as a formal sector player in warehousing service for grain, uh, for silo, silo drying and, and storage of silos with what you face as a person in the operating in the informal sector. And we found at least five taxes that hit you as a, as a formal sector player. Import duties on machinery um, for, uh, for farm machinery as well are going to be higher than what usually uh, um, very old or you know, machinery declared as scrap that comes in and there's hardly any, any uh, import duties to pay there. So if you're bringing a, a new harvester, there, are, there were duties and we were able to um, convince the government to reduce those, the federal government to reduce those. Um, nearly to zero. Um, there is a sales tax on warehousing services, and also there was sales tax on on uh, provincial uh, sales tax on um, machinery-based services. And here I must commend the uh, minister, Mr. Hashim Jamaba, for his personal attention to facilitating formal private sector investment in machinery-based services to farmers and also in grain uh, storage. Under his direction this year, the Punjab sales tax on machinery-based services has been reduced to from 16% to 1% and on warehousing services from 16% to 5%. And then we have hope that it can fall further to 1%. So thank you, Minister, for implementing this vision of service providers in agriculture. There was There is also a withholding tax that applies to you if you are uh, trading commodity on Pakistan Mercantile Exchange. And this has also been removed in the Federal Finance Act this year. Um, these are the monetary um, sort of hurdles to a formal sector business starting this business and somebody using that service uh, from the formal sector. But there are also non-monetary hurdles, such as for warehousing, one of the major risks that investors have been talking to us about is the threat of government raids on wheat storage as, uh, as considered hoarding. And that's a deterrent to investment that uh, really needs a mechanism to make sure that this doesn't happen to you know formal sector investors who are providing service to farmers. Um, similar cases of large-scale cool chain infrastructure. And it's not viable. Zafar mentioned that there's some viability gap that's needed. Well, the, we have to ask about whether the business model can be viable even after you get viability gap funding. Um, it, it requires the kind of uh, addition of, of uh, additional costs that it will bring to our value chains in, in fruits and vegetables. That is really can only be absorbed by perhaps 10, 15% of the, of the market. So you can't have a large scale or, or fairly sized cool chain infrastructure without an export focus. And for export, you can't just provide that cool chain infrastructure and tell farmers, why don't you go and export? Unless you're offering a guaranteed purchase. Farmer doesn't know who is sitting in China who may be interested in that. Farmer needs guaranteed purchase. And for this, you will need an, a guaranteed off-taker in an export market. And even with that, somebody has to purchase from the farmer and then it goes to the guaranteed off-taker in another country. So building these business models, I think it, it takes that 
extra effort to imagine how our agriculture sector ought to look and with these service provider, with these uh, private players coming in, in the formal sectors. And this brings me to my main point about the vision for growth in agriculture. Our farmers and uh, they need access to the latest technology. We've mentioned seed, farm machinery, modern storage, school chains, et cetera, and more. They also need credit, which is quite limited and still limited in agriculture. Um, they also they need even perhaps even more than that, they need crop insurance, uh, which is even more limited than credit in agriculture. So all these technologies I've mentioned, they require capital. And usually they start with equity. I mean, think of this uh, cool chain example I'm talking about. You're going to start with equity first and then the debt can be attracted. Uh, it also requires some specialized expertise. And uh, um, for this, we need a sort of new breed of service providers, new set of formal sector players to enter the agriculture sector um, it's, and provide these services to farmers and give them the, you know, strengthen their hands to be able to reach the potential we're talking about. A lot of people consider our farmers to be backward, et cetera. You give them these, these uh, you know, uh, tools and the you know, protection from financial fragility through insurance, et cetera, and you see how our farmers perform. And the same has happened in maize, same has happened in so many, so many sect, uh, value chains where uh, usually the government helped or a uh, you know, processor has, has held the hand and done uh, of the farmer and done backward integration. So let me try to you know, summarize the main recommendations from, from our side. Um, four to 5% real GDP growth per annum in agriculture is, is possible. It can take the national growth rate to the levels that are required. This can best be achieved with strategic investments from a new breed of private service providers facilitated by government. And we need to make sure we imagine our sector with these kinds of players in mind so that we can change the, the dynamic in the sector and we change the behavior in the sector. And these players can bring the, the, they can bring the access to capital and bring the requisite expertise to help our farmers reach their potential. Um, at Pakistan Agriculture Coalition, we've built uh, scalable models in all the areas I've outlined, and uh, that's that's where we are. We have attracted formal sector, private sector, private investment as well, and we are happy to share our experiences in more detail with you. Thank you, Nadeem Saab. Thank you, everyone. Wonderful, Kazim Saab. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Very valuable comments. Um, a lot that can be imagined and thought through, and lot is imagined and thought through. But yet, the million-dollar question remains, why is it that Pakistan cannot get anything done? And that's a subject that we should continue to focus on, and hopefully we will going forward, because we had a lot of thinking, a lot of stuff. But again, we really don't know the full answers because we have a lot of stuff here that needs reconsideration. So let's move on to Zafar al-Hassan from the Planning Commission. Zafar Saab. Thank you, sir. Uh, I think uh, many insights from uh, uh, Kazim Saab, Salim Raza Saab. And uh, uh, this paper is, uh, I think, uh, first of its kind uh, because it uh, traced uh, agricultural traces at multi-dimensional areas. And uh, one of the areas, uh, I think other areas will be explained by Saim and Abdullah, but uh, I'm uh, focusing on its impact upon the poverty reduction. And generally, uh, Pakistan's problem with the poverty is uh, rural in nature. So mainly uh, our poverty in rural area. 
and we have uh, looked at pakistan's experience of uh, under different price regimes uh, in 2007 and uh, 2020 they are exceptional in terms of uh, very high uh, uh, food prices and uh, uh, one thing is amazing because uh, in 2008 asian development bank had a working paper which said given full inflation is high then poverty uh, is likely to go up in developing countries like pakistan uh, but uh, in 2008 to 11 i think it, uh, this is the inter survey period of highest uh, we had poverty numbers for 2008 and 2011 this was the period then uh, support price of wheat especially and wheat is not a cash uh, cash crop but uh, in uh, that time from 600 to 900 it, uh, the support price was raised and uh, the uh, agriculture deflator was highest and so uh, there was a substitution from uh, uh, urban income to rural income so larger a lot of transfers because of higher agriculture prices to the rural areas and the result was amazing uh, according to highest consumption the consumption went up in 3 years by 68% by according to highest in national account private consumption went up by 70% it means a huge and we are estimating poverty through consumption so that's why uh, this was the period when poverty uh, went drastically down uh, and from 7.3 percentage point at national level and 6.5 in urban and uh, 7.6 from rural uh, areas uh wheat has a significant impact uh but uh, it is a stable price but uh, people who are from rural areas knows that okay, uh when we have a bumper crop because it respond to price so quickly in 2008 we had a bumper crop and then in 2020 again when prices went up 2021 we have highest ever uh, wheat crop and uh, there are many uh, charity around the uh, wheat crop and uh, in not in cash because it is not cash crop but uh, in kind a lot of wheat is given to the poor and which uh, enhances uh, consumption and plus when farmers income uh, income are going up because of uh, because of uh, uh, higher prices they spend a lot they create a demand and uh, sim has done an analysis uh, or zafar masood sahab has highlighted total impact around 44% and the multi- multiplier effect of uh, uh, overall agriculture when agriculture prices goes up uh, then whole economy moves up but unfortunately from uh, 2013 uh, 13 to 18 uh this this five year the crop sector just witnessed a growth of 0.1% so prices remain almost stagnant to food inflation was low and in that period uh i think the uh, seeds of higher food inflation are sown and because of this uh, we are facing uh, food inflation and uh, uh july august for two months uh, we had a uh, import of food group uh went up from 981 million to 1473 million it means a huge increase and just uh, on twitter somebody shared uh on in lighter tone that we uh, last year we imported uh, uh we spent 4.5 billion dollar on import of food 
and $5 billion on machinery. So they are coming very close to each other. So, uh, and being an agriculture country, I think uh, we have neglected this sector and this is the problem. Uh, we are facing low productivity and these issues. Uh, I think Saim and Abdullah will highlight uh, in the uh, coming uh, uh, proceeding of this webinar. Uh, so poverty and agriculture uh, goes hand in hand, and agriculture has an impact on rural area, but in, uh, amazingly, it has an impact on urban areas as well. Whenever uh, there is a high transfer from urban area to rural area, uh, then uh, there is a boost in the consumption demand for the industrial products and services which are provided by the urban areas. And because of this, uh, I think there's a huge demand is created in urban areas as well. Uh, it creates inflationary spiral, but uh, urban area also benefits from this demand, uh, like durables and other services, uh, which uh, rural areas consume. So it is a win-win for both urban and rural areas, but uh, for urban, the connection needs more investigation. Okay, how uh, agriculture is affecting demand in um, urban areas and or incomes of the urban areas. So this needs further investigation. So I stop here. I think uh, Sime will uh, explain more. Thank you. Thank you very much, folks. I realize I should bring in Dawn News for some question and answers. Dawn News, please. Sir, please unmute yourself, sir. Please unmute yourself. Hello? Did you go ahead? How are you? So I have. Uh, my colleagues, Ahmed Fraz and Amjad Mahmood with me, and uh, they will be asking a few questions from you uh, in this session and in the next. So I hand it over to uh, Mr. Ahmed Faraz. जी फराज साहब आवाज नहीं आ रही फराज साहब आप म्यूट पे हैं सर बस अब अनम्यूट कर लें अपने आप को फराज साहब सॉरी बस अनम्यूट कर जी आ रही है Five, seven years, the Punjab has had three different agriculture policies. None of them was connected to the ground. None of them was implemented in letter and spirit. Right? And we keep on discussing 
everything that we need to go for productivity, we need to go for cold storage chain, we need to go for service providers. We all know these things. But problem is that without being disciplined by a policy and without having targets of policy, without having targets of research, without having targets of productivity and implementing them as well, we can keep on discussing for the next 100 years. So that is my take, Madhim, sir. Anybody, anything else? Anybody else from Dawn? <clears throat> this is Amjir Man. My question is that uh, a banker or a banking institution is organizing this discussion. My uh, first question is towards them. <clears throat> Why banks are reluctant to extend agricultural credit? Ji. नदीम साहब आप इजाजत दें तो मैं जरा दोनों को आंसर करना चाह रहा हूं जो दोनों प्लीज करें क्वेश्चन रेज कीजिए जी देखिए पहले तो जो पहला वाला सवाल था बात यह जी कि जिस तरह मैंने अपनी तकरीर में भी शुरू में कहा था कि एक नैरेटिव बिल्ड किया गया है लास्ट टू डेकेड्स में जिसमें के ये इंप्रेशन देने की कोशिश की गई है कि एग्रीकल्चर की जो कंट्रीब्यूशन है वो غالबन बहुत कम है टू द इकॉनमी और इसी की वजह से हमने ये डिसाइड किया कि ये जो रिसर्च है ये हम करेंगे और वी विल ट्राई एंड क्रिएट सम काइंड ऑफ डिबेट और एटलीस्ट रियलाइजेशन अमंगस्ट द डिसीजन मेकर्स दैट यू नो द रियल इंपैक्ट इज फार मोर ऑफ एग्रीकल्चर देन व्हाट मीट्स द आई एंड देयरफॉर यू नो टू माय माइंड द स्टार्टिंग पॉइंट इज टुडे that last two year decade we are trying a uh, uh, narrative of last two year decade we are trying to break and then starting from today saying that look look start looking agriculture differently the point is that when you start looking things differently then you find the ways and means as well the most recent example is the construction sector Go- when the government wants to do something and realize that that could have you know uh, 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 some sort of impact, although it, it may be a moot point for for lots of lots of people around, but but the fact is that the that when the government decides that they have to pursue any particular sector as a priority sector, then they find the ways and means uh, to making sure that all the impediments are taken care of, and they are they they are uh, uh, the, the, the the situation is made much more conducive for investment. And, and that sector to grow. So to answer the first question, let me just uh, tell you this. We can talk about the problems there. We can talk about uh, what is required to be done. Some I have covered, they're mentioned in the report also. But to my mind, the first step has been taken today that we all have to realize how important agriculture is in the numbers as well, in the economic growth numbers also. So this is a very important aspect. Hai. दूसरा सवाल आपका था कि जी ये बैंक जो है वो क्यों रिलक्टेंट है देखिए बैंक इसलिए रिलक्टेंट है बिकॉज़ इस तरह मैंने कहा कि अब बैंक तो बहुत रिलक्टेंट थे इन द इन द इन द एग्रीकल्चर में तो फिर भी उतने रिलक्टेंट नहीं है जितने के हाउसिंग एंड कंस्ट्रक्शन सेक्टर में थे गवर्नमेंट ने वहां पर आहिस्ता 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 करके बहुत सारी सहूलियतें मुहैया की हैं जिसकी वजह से 
آج آپ کو اس میں مومنٹم نظر آ رہا ہے وہ ساری پرابلمز یہاں بھی ایگزٹ کرتی ہیں اور میرے خیال سے اگر وہ پرابلمز جو ہے وہ ہم تھوڑی اڈریس کرنے میں کامیاب ہو جائیں کلیکٹیولی تو بہت امپروومنٹ آپ کو نظر آئے گی بینکوں کی سائڈ سے بھی ٹو پارٹیسپیٹ ان دس ود دس آل کنسٹرینٹس جہاں پہ انشورنس جو ہے وہ اویلیبل نہیں ہے جہاں پر گورنمنٹ کی سپورٹ یہ کوئی فنومنا اگریکلچر کا دیکھیے فنومنا ہم ایک اور سمجھنے کی ضرورت ہے اینڈ یو نو میں یہ جسارت کر رہا ہوں سلیم صاحب کے یہاں موجودگی میں اور کاظم سعید کی موجودگی میں جن کی ریسرچ جو ہے وہ اس ٹاپک پہ مجھ سے بہت زیادہ ہے اور وہ بہت زیادہ کوالیفائڈ اور کمپٹنٹ ہی ٹو کامنٹ آن دس بات یہ ہے کہ ایگریکلچر وہ سیکٹر ہے جس پہ دنیا بھر میں آپ کو بہت زیادہ ہینڈ ہولڈنگ کی جاتی ہے یہ کہیں بھی سیکٹر جو ہے یہ آسان سیکٹر نہیں ہے اس میں اتنے سارے ان نونز ہیں اتنے سارے رسک انوالوڈ ہیں کہ یہاں پر ذرا زیادہ ہینڈ ہولڈنگ کی ضرورت پڑتی ہے ان کمپیرزن ٹو دی ادر سیکٹرز پر ہیپس جو بچ آر اسٹیبلشڈ مور ریکگنائزڈ اینڈ ہیونگ اے ہسٹری سیکٹرز سو دیر فور ان دس سیکٹر تھوڑا سا زیادہ ضرورت ہے ریگولیٹر کی اور گورنمنٹ کی ٹو اسٹیپ اپ اینڈ دین یو ول سی دا بینک یو نو رننگ ود دا بال آن دس آئی ہوپ آئی بین ایبل ٹو آنسر دا کوشچن آف دا ٹو جنٹل جو بات ہے کہ زراعت کی تاریخ کو ہم اس میں نظر انداز کر رہے ہیں پاکستان ایگریکلچر سیکٹر ہیڈ انارمس سکسیز بٹوین انارمس سکسیز اور یہ گرین ریولیوشن اور وہ نمبرز میں آپ دیکھیں اگر آپ ذرا سا غور کیجیے کہ یلڈس گندم کی یلڈس ڈبل ہوئی ان دا ٹوینٹی ایئرس دیگر جو کراپس ہیں شوگر کین میں بھی فرق پڑ رائس میں بھی کئی کئی جو اسٹرکچرز آج ہم دیکھتے ہیں مثلا یہ بات کہ صوبائی حکومت خریدتی ہے گندم کو اور آگے آٹا ملوں کو دیتی ہے یہ اسٹرکچر اس دور کا ہے جس وقت مقصد یہ تھا کہ پاکستان کسی طرح سے سیڈ کا بھی بڑا بہت کام ہوا کسی طرح سے پاکستان خود کا فیل ہو جائے ان ان فصلوں میں اور اس دور میں پرائیویٹ سیکٹر جس طرح سے آج ہم دیکھتے ہیں بہت سی پرائیویٹ سیڈ کمپنیز بھی ہیں پرائیویٹ مختلف سروس پرووائڈرز کم از کم آپ کو نظر آ رہے ہیں فارمل پرائیویٹ سیکٹر کے رائس ایکسپورٹرز نے تو انویسٹ بھی کر دیا مشینری کے اندر اور فارمرس کو سروس دینے شروع کر دی ہیں ناٹ ایز این ہابیز آج تو آپ کو نظر آتے ہیں کہ اس زمانے میں اس طرح سے نہیں تھا تو سیٹ کی بھی بزنس تقریباً ساری کے ساری گورنمنٹ کے اندر گورنمنٹ ہی کرے گی گورنمنٹ ہی ریسرچ کرے گی گورنمنٹ ہی اس کو ورلڈ کپ کرے گی گورنمنٹ ہی بیچے گی گورنمنٹ ہی سرٹیفائی کرے گی آج بھی وہ قوانین اور ضوابط پوری طرح چینج نہیں ہوئے جبکہ جن مقاصد کے لیے وہ نظام بنائے گئے تھے ان کا گزر گیا ہے وقت وہ اچیو ہوئے ہوئے بہت وقت ہو چکا ہے اس لیے اب جیسے آپ سن رہے ہیں پچھلے بیس برس میں وہ نظام پرفارم نہیں کر پایا ہے بلکہ وہ کنسٹینٹ بن گیا ہے جس میں گورنمنٹ کا اتنا زیادہ انوالومنٹ ہے اب مطلب آپ یہ سوچنے کی بات ہے گورنمنٹ کو گندم اسٹور کرنے کی کیا ضرورت ہے اسٹوریج کے لیے کتنی اسٹوریج ہو رہی ہے پرائیویٹ سیکٹر میں کوئی ایسی وجہ نہیں ہے کہ گورنمنٹ خود اسٹور کرے یہ سروس پرائیویٹ سیکٹر میں ہونی چاہیے اور یہ آئی تھنک دس از ون آف دا میسیجز ڈلیور ٹو دا آنریبل منسٹر آئی تھنک آلریڈی کہ یہ کام چیز ہے جو جس کا ٹرانزیکشن ہونا چاہیے سو اس لیے جو کیپٹل ریکوائرمنٹ ہے ایگریکلچر سیکٹر کی وہ اس طرح سے گورنمنٹ کے وسائل سے صرف نہیں ہو سکتی پوری میں آپ کو چھوٹی سی اسپیسیفک مثال دوں رائس مشینری کی ہم نے بات کی کہ جی سروس پرووائڈر آ جائیں اور یہ مشینری ہو اگر ہم صرف یہ دیکھیں کہ ہاؤ مچ منی از ریکوائرڈ 
सत्तर लाख एकड़ पे है राइस पैडी और उसके लिए अगर आप ट्रांसप्लांटर और हार्वेस्टर की कैलकुलेशन आज की कीमत से कीजिए 1.4 बिलियन डॉलर्स आर रिक्वायर्ड टू गिव ऑल आर फार्मर्स द सर्विस क्या ये गवर्नमेंट के निजाम से हो सकता है नहीं हो सकता गवर्नमेंट के वसाइल से हो सकता है नहीं हो सकता सो गवर्नमेंट इंकरेज कर सकती है लेकिन ये सारा गवर्नमेंट नहीं कर सकती इसको सपोर्ट वी नीड दैट दो प्राइवेट सर्विस प्रोवाइडर्स और बहुत से मौजूद हैं अगर आप जाके देखिए अगर आप महसूस करते हैं कि बिगेस्ट ब्रांड नेम्स ऑफ पाकिस्तान इन द फॉर्मल कॉर्पोरेट सेक्टर आर नॉट इन एग्रीकल्चर कोई मसला नहीं आप जाके अगर देखिए अगर एग्रीकल्चर किस तरह से हो रहा है सर्विस प्रोवाइडर्स हैं मौजूद क्योंकि वो नीड है और छोटी सतह के प्लेयर्स उसको कर रहे हैं उनके पास वो स्क्रैप मशीनरी इंपोर्ट करते हैं कैपिटल रिक्वायरमेंट उनके एक्सेस नहीं होती और जिस तरह की टेक्निकल निभाव चाहिए वो नहीं होती लेकिन सर्विस वो किसी तरह से दे रहे हैं सो दीज आइडियाज आर द नीड ऑफ द टाइम आई थिंक आई ग्री विद जफर के गवर्नमेंट की अप्रोच का भी इसमें एक आता है फैक्टर की दैट हैज टू शिफ्ट फ्रॉम वट इट हैज बीन सिंस दिवेंटीज एंड सिक्सटीज So I think that's where I'll stop. ये सवाल है ना कि हम क्यों नहीं succeed कर पा रहे? I think इसके जवाब बहुत clear हैं. We just need to um, make sure government understands. Thank you. Thank you, Ji. Thank you very much. Sayam Sir, would you like to intervene and tell us what you think are the major issues that need to be addressed? Ji, thank you. Um, so uh, firstly, I just like to uh, you know thank all the participants. You know, who joined here. I mean, uh, I want to thank the experts. You know, they have guidance here uh, for this report. And uh, most importantly, I think uh, the driving force for doing this, undertaking this research, is really uh, Prasad himself. इनिशियली मैं भी थोड़ा सा हेजिटेंट था कि इज दिस रियली अ सेक्टर जिसपे हमें इतना फोकस करने की जरूरत है बट वंस वी गॉर्ड लुकिंग इन टू द नंबर्स तो काफी आई ओपनिंग था मेरे लिए भी कि जी द एक्चुअल कॉन्ट्रीब्यूशन जो सेक्टर प्रोवाइड कर रहा है टू द नेशनल जी डी पी इज सिग्निफिकेंटली हायर डबल ऑफ वॉट जो वी थॉट के अबाउट ट्वेंटी परसेंट कॉन्ट्रीब्यूशन है डायरेक्ट इम्पैक्ट भी है जिसमें जो फॉरवर्ड बैकवर्ड लिंकेजेस हैं वो भी इंक्लूडेड है एंड देन वीसो इंक्लूडेड जो रूरल हाउस होल्ड कंजम्पन स्पेंडिंग है सो ऑल दीज थ्री कॉम्पोनेंट्स कम्बाइंड गिवस फेरली हाई नंबर Uh, which is something jo ke uh, probably has not been uh, there's not been enough research done into it at least we could not find any reports uh, which can give us these kind of estimates so is pe humne koshish ki salim raza sahab and kazim sahab ne bada hame guidance di hai because it's it's not a area just pe uh, i was very comfortable or had much background into so it was really uh, guidance from uh, both of these gentlemen jiski wajah se we were able to uh, do the study and come out with policy recommendations jo ke hame lagta hai ke short term mein doable hai and inka maximum impact aa sakta hai as far as productivity and farm output is concerned and given that the government is keen to target sustainable growth of 6% plus um you know we do uh, think it is uh, without looking at agriculture sector and uh, significantly enhancing productivity jo ke potential hai jisra zafar saab ne mention kiya 
40% uh, yield uh, gap hai between progressive farmers jo ki technology use kar rahe and farmers jo ki technology nahi use kar rahe so uh, there is huge potential untapped potential in short term may this can really give uh, a significant boost to uh, the growth momentum uh then uh, coming uh, looking at at the methodology of the report um you know we uh, looked at uh, both uh, how uh, the international studies have been conducted uh, looking at uh, contributions uh, jo um, different countries mein hai uh, and uh, we were uh, able to uh, find the input output tables jo ke asian development bank publish karta hai for all member states so that uh, give us a really good uh, idea as to what the forward and backward linkages really are uh, and we've tried to quantify that but uh, let me just say ke uh, you know quantification ke upar question marks ho sakte hain maybe the contribution is more or it's slightly less but that's not important uh, the uh, important thing is ke you know jo hypothesis tha hamara ke does agriculture contribute significantly more to the national output i think that is to a large extent confirmed and jisra uh, uh, zafar uh, zafar saab ne uh, apni talk mein mention kiya there's a very strong linkage uh, between poverty reduction and uh, growth in the agriculture sector so in the in the years where we've seen crop output increase uh, in those years we've seen a very significant reduction as far as uh, rural poverty is concerned and and poverty pakistan may is concentrated in the rural sector uh, and jo uh, uh, then uh, moving on to the recommendations uh, there the six broad recommendations jo ke humne di hain Uh, this is based on a uh, lot of discussions with the experts uh jo ke on the ground hai uh, people who are uh, doing work who've had some success uh, and uh, kazim saab being one of the main uh, people jinko humne tap kiya for this but there are many others uh, experts working in this field uh, from different sectors uh, some of them are working for the banking sector uh, and uh, you know the based on the inputs from experts we've tried to analyze ki short term mein immediately 6 months 12 months 24 months ke andar kya kiya ja sakta hai and uh, remember we are going through a, a commodity super cycle uh, inflation nasir of pakistan mein masla ban chuki hai balki globally it has become a very big challenge so us mein hum dekh rahe hain uh, inflation is above 5% फॉर थ्री मंथ्स कंजेकेटिव जो कि कभी हुआ नहीं इन द लास्ट टू डेकेट्स सिमिलरली अदर ईयू कंट्रीज कैनेडा देर ऑल पोस्टिंग रिकॉर्ड इन्फ्लेशन नंबर्स एंड लार्ज पार्ट ऑफ दैट इज बींग ड्रिवन बाई फूड प्राइसिस एंड पाकिस्तान के अंदर इट्स कॉजिंग अ डबल वैमी एक तरफ क्योंकि हमारी फार्म आउटपुट इतनी नहीं है कि हम अपनी डोमेस्टिक डिमांड को मीट कर सकें तो हमें इम्पोर्ट भी करना पड़ा है डबल वैमी फॉर पाकिस्तान सो इंटरनेशनल प्राइसिस चढ़ रही है फिर ऊपर से डिप्रीसिएशन आ रही है सो इट्स बिकमिंग वेरी बिग चैलेंज टू मीट जो हमारी फूड रिक्वायरमेंट्स है 
एंड अनलेस दल्चर सेक्टर में हम इंटरवेंशन देखें इमीडिएटली दिस प्रॉब्लम इज नॉट गोन गो वे सो इवन इन द नेक्स्ट टू ईयर्स थ्री ईयर्स हम देखेंगे कि हमारी रिलायंस ऑन इम्पोर्टेड फूड आइटम्स विल कंटिन्यू टू ग्रो सो दो सिक्स रिकमेंडेशन बीन नाइसली समराइज बाई जफर साहब जफर मसूद साहब and uh, you know we hope that uh, you get a chance to read our report uh, ye pite ki website pe bhi upload ho rahi hai report and it's also going to be available for all of you on the bank of punjab website uh, so i leave it there and uh, i can see there are lots of questions so maybe uh, uh, once Sir, we've we... got the hard copy done as well ji sir absolutely <laughs> so the it will be available in the hard form also so anybody who is interested in getting a hard copy please let us know uh, and we will send you a copy uh, so we've got uh, dr abdullah uh, who's a co-author of this report uh, and uh, he's uh, provided some very interesting insights uh, so uh, i think let's move to uh, uh, his talk before we uh, conclude today's session thank you ye badla sir yes sir thank you very much sir i am going to talk sir about the potential areas to achieve uh, high agriculture growth and, and way forward so basically uh, the title of my presentation basically and then i am going to contents of my presentation are as follow let me convert it to presentation okay and then first of all i will talk about the Uh, importance of value chain in agriculture sector then i will talk about the farm size and land market how they are linked basically are in all innovation that we are talking and heavily depends on the farm size basically and and then there is limited availability of certified seed being used in different crops and i will show in in coming slides there is a, a yield gap that can easily be i mean harvest and that gap because i am not talking the yield gap with the developed country i am talking the yield gap between and uh, the every farm size and the progressive farmers or or the high highly management managed farmers so then finally i will ta- talk about the role of process- processing in agriculture sector that how it can contribute to improve the growth and so this is the um, the picture of general picture of value chain map here you can see that in agriculture sector we are using uh, different inputs uh, land seed water fertilizer pesticide labor and uh, credit services and managerial and uh, capabilities and so on so then there could be some issues at the production stage and then in the marketing stage there are large number of stakeholders involved and then infrastructure and quality of transportation also matters and that could help to uh, reduce the cost of production or increase the cost of production so you know that in pakistan basically there are large number of stakeholders involved uh, from farm to the final delivery to the consumer due to which the cost significantly increases at the at the consumer end and you know for, for finance minister i mean several time he is talking that uh, food inflation is basically because uh, there are large number of Uh, stakeholder involved due to which prices increases and that we must have to decrease it i mean for to but 
the approach they are adopting is quite really inefficient because they should not uh, intervene in the market. Market should let them work, but they should think that how we can do it. I mean, and by establishing as, I mean, by motiv motivating the investment in large mega malls and who are directly contracting with farmers and doing contract farming and then directly buying from farmers and selling it to the consumer. And that is one approach that how we can reduce or eliminate um, the stakeholders in the marketing channels. And Imtiaz is one of the best example in Pakistan, I think. If we compare the prices at Imtiaz and then Monday, you will find a very negligible difference. So, and then in order to uh, improve processing, basically we need technology and we need trained human resources and innovative idea. And that comes basically and through, I mean, investment on agriculture sector, if we really want to get trained human resources. And then credit availability or investors from the foreign investment, that could be another area that can be explored. Here I will just talk about the land and seed market. Here you can see that over the time from 1960 to, I mean, in 2010, the number of small farms look. In 1960, we have 19 million, and which has increased to 64 million. It means the farm size is declining over the time. And this is, I think, one of the biggest issues that we have to tackle it. It's, it is happening because landmark is not efficiently working. The property rights are not well-defined. And if the, if the land is owned by the grandfather, and now the grandsons are operating it, but property right is still hold by the grandfather. If they want to sell it, want to quit the from agriculture sector, they cannot because the buyers is reluctant to buy and because litigation problem starts. So we have, must have to digitize the land records and then we also have to define the property right. So unless we do it, though we cannot, I mean, uh, I mean, modify the uh, land market. In other countries, if we look the example of China, Vietnam, and Thailand, and the farm size has started to increase because they have established their market and uh, land market well. So without making some, I mean, and government uh, policy, and then they, they have to think that how they can make the, uh, the process uh, efficient of transformation and make it sure that there will be no litigation. And that's come through, I think, the, the property right. <clears throat> so here, again, if we look at the diversification, then again, it is linked with the farm size. So we can see that those farmers which are less than five hectares are less diversified, and those which are larger, they are more diversified. It means if we have to really, uh, I mean, move towards high value crops, again, I mean, we have to increase the farm size. So again, I mean, this depends that how we are going to make changes in our regulatory, regulatory policy and that so that we can uh, make the land market efficient. And so here is the seed. So we can, you can see that here, and only we have made some, uh, some progress in wheat where and the certified seed we have started to from 1980, we were using 50,000 tons, and now we have we are using 476,000 tons. 
So basically, right, it is rightly mentioned earlier that in order to increase the, uh, the use of certified seed, we must have to increase the role of private sector. And then we must have to, um, I mean, efficiently implement the breeder and seed laws. So breeder act and seed laws, without doing that, it's really difficult to, to get achievement or in, along the along the seed. So here is this this is hypothetical figure uh, where their T zero is basically average farms average farm yield that farmers are getting and T one is the is the yield that progressive farmers or best practices farmers are getting and then T two is the uh, yield at your research stations and then T three is through science potential or science gap. So I think the gap which is exists between T0 and T1, it can be easily exploited. It's a low hanging food as mentioned earlier. That because we just have to train the uh, small farmers that how to use balanced inputs and nitrogen, phosphorus and fertilizer in, a, in order to achieve that yield. And then we have to just train them practically that how they can, I mean, improve the management practices or adopt the best management practices. So through that, that can be easily achieved. So here, I have just drawn the, the average yield and, and, and the yield that progressive farmers are getting for five major crops. You can see that there is a huge gap or potential exist that can be exploited. But you know, without, I mean, investment or without, I mean, uh, improving the marketing system, if we just let the markets work freely and let the private sector in, and you look at the, in case of maize, where hybrid seed is, I mean, is provided by the private sector, and they are also providing the extension services, and the gap between average farms, average farm size, and the potential and progressive farm is very narrow. So compared to other crops. So, I mean, we must have to strengthen the role of the private sector and let them import the seed or let them produce the seed and at their end so that, I mean, they can and uh, help to and bridge this gap. So here, I mean, if we just reach the um, yield of the progressive farmers, so, I mean, even average farms, so then we are getting in case of wheat and 1,200. So we are, I mean, if we're getting just in five major crops, if we able to achieve the yield at the progressive farmers, then it will add 1,811 1, billion rupees in the agriculture economy. And the similarly in case of uh, uh, livestock, which is one of the major sector in agriculture sector. So if we uh, able to achieve the yield at the progressive farmers, then it can add another 3,177 billion rupees, uh, which is, I mean, equal to 8.7 billion per day. And if we add up all this, uh, it is making 4,987 billion. And the current GDP of agriculture sector is 5,976 billion. It means we can add another 84% of the GDP just from this, I mean, uh, achieving the yield 
of the progressive farmers, which I think is not very difficult. We just make to innovations. And that cannot be achieved, of course, without uh, increasing the uh, investment in agriculture sector. The earlier speaker said that agriculture sector is ignored, is no doubt at all. Currently, we are spending just 0.18% of agriculture GDP, and which is very, very low. And currently, we are growing almost 67 crops. And there are many high value crops on which there is no single breeder is working. So it means, and we must have to increase the investment on R&D rather than increasing the investment in terms of price support or subsidy. So here, I also want to focus a little bit on the, uh, on the processing. So I just compared Pakistan with Thailand, the mango export. We were exporting 86,000 tons of mangoes in 2010, and then we reached up to 97,000 tons. While Thailand and, and is Matahiva, the, uh, Thailand was exporting 147,000 tons, and now they're, uh, I mean, exporting 230,000 tons. But next graph, I mean, is quite, I mean, alarming. And we are fetching the price, international price, 1,044 US dollar per ton, while Thailand is getting 2,719 and $1,000 uh, per ton. So this, this particularly indicate, I mean, because they are processing, they are, I mean, making dry pulp and making juices, and then they are exporting. But we are exporting mangoes in raw farms. So, I mean, that is another area that can be exploited. So, but for that purpose, definitely, I and mean, currently we are exporting uh, mangoes uh, values 101 million US dollars, while Thailand is exporting equal to 625 million US dollars. So, in order to exploit all these areas of need, of course, we need investment. So, I mean, and not what is the priority area? First of all, as I said, that we must have to bring innovation or land reforms through which we can, I mean, digitize the land record and define the property right so that the transformation process from one hand to another, on the other hand, can be, I mean, smooth. And there, is, there should be no litigation that can help to increase the farm size over time. And then we must have to increase investment on R&D and the, I mean, previously someone says that agriculture is, I mean, is not contributing much. I mean, look from the, and since Pakistan became, I mean, our population has increased many times. And, but still, I mean, the agriculture is supporting and their food demands. So that is the contribution of agriculture sector. And so then we must have to increase the investment uh, in to process. And in order to do that, we must have to attract the foreign investors. But again, we have to focus that how we can increase the farm size or we can develop clusters because the processing heavily depends because on the, on the farm size or cluster because they cannot collect the scattered product to process. It becomes very costly. The same example in case of milk. So because milk production is quite scattered and we are just, they are just processing four to 5% because it becomes costly. So we must have to develop clusters or we have to think that we can increase the farm size. Thank you very much. Thank you, Badalasab. Thank you very much. Okay, folks, we have gone through our speakers now. We have a
We have a lot of information, probably more that we need, we can absorb. I would like to bring in the Dawn group again to ask questions. We'll move on from there. Dawn group. Can you hear me? Dee, go ahead. I don't know. For example, एग्रीकल्चर को हमें नए पर्सपेक्टिव में देखने की जरूरत है नए नंबर से इंटरप्रेट करने की जरूरत है दैट इज रिस्पेक्टेबल वो हम मेरे लिए भी नई चीज है ठीक है जी तो 45% जो है जैसे फरमाया जा रहा है वो मतलब एक बड़ी कंट्रीब्यूशन है उसको एक नई चीजों से देखने की जरूरत है बट माय पॉइंट वाज एंड स्टिल इज कि हमें जितनी बातें हमने की हैं ये बातें हम रोज सुनते हैं करते हैं लेकिन इनकी फेलर कहां है ये क्यों नहीं हो सकी इस वर्ल्ड में अभी तक वो शायद देखने की जरूरत है उसमें क्या फ्रांस हमारा ऐसा है जो हमें किसी इन्वेस्टमेंट के काबिल नहीं बहुत पुरानी है साइड हो रहा है शायद वो ठीक से घूम के पता नहीं है भी के लिए ओके एनीबॉडी एल्स जी एनीबॉडी एल्स जी मैं एक दो क्वेश्चन ले भी हैं इसमें सबसे पहले तो यह है कि इसमें जो बेसिक क्वेश्चन बनता है कि रिलायबिलिटी ऑफ डाटा हमारा डाटा ही अक्सर सूरत में देखा गया हम जब भी अपने पेपर को रिपोर्ट करते रहते हैं वो एक डिपार्टमेंट का दूसरे डिपार्टमेंट के साथ फेडरल गवर्नमेंट का प्रोविंशियल गवर्नमेंट का मैच नहीं करता मैं एक अभी एक कपल ऑफ ईयर को एक मिसाल देता हूँ छोटी सी पीबीएस ने फेडरल अपना जो है इदारा है इसका इसमें स्टेटिस्टिक्स जो देखता है उसने पंजाब में लाइफ का फिगर रिपोर्ट किया आठ करोड़ सेवेंटी मिलियन तो करोड़ बन गया तो लेकिन पंजाब ने अपना उसके बाद सर्वे किया तो ये चीजें हैं कि उसकी इन्हीं की बेस के ऊपर आपने कोई पॉलिसी बनानी है तो डाटा की बेस पे वो डाटा ही हमारा लाइबल नहीं है वो कंट्रोवर्शियल है नंबर वन नंबर टू इस तरह से ये फार्म साइज की बात हो रही है कि जिसकी वजह से नई टेक्नोलॉजी की इंट्रोडक्शन जो है मुश्किल हो जाती है उसमें जो क्वेश्चन था कि इसमें हमारे यहाँ चाहे वो फ्लॉप हो गया था कोऑपरेटिव का एक मॉडल इंट्रोड्यूस करवाया गया था जिसमें कुछ किसी गाँव में जो लोग मिल गया अपना अपना एक कलेक्टिव जो फार्मिंग कर सकें तो उसके जो अपना फेवर्स थे उसको अपना तलाश करके उन्हें खत्म करके नए सिरे से चंद एक इसमें मॉडल्स खुद एग्रीकल्चर डिपार्टमेंट के एक्सटेंशन डिपार्टमेंट के पास मौजूद भी हैं उन्हें क्यों नहीं वो इम्प्लीमेंट किया जा रहा सामने क्यों नहीं लाया जा रहा थैंक यू वेरी मच Ajil, let me try to answer some एक सेकेंड जी कैन आई कम बैक टू यू आई एम सॉरी 
so that we you can answer these questions at one time. So please note the questions. I'll come back to you. Uh, I'll take the dark hand first, Amber Dar. Ji, Salaam Nadeem Sahib. Really interesting presentations. I've uh, lots of food for thought. I've really picked up a lot of. Uh, Apne aapko introduce bhi kar lenge so people know you. Hey, I, my name is Amber Dar. I, I used to practice law in Pakistan. I'm a barrister, um, but now I live in the UK. I am an academic. I teach at the University College of London. Uh, my area of research is um, competition law, uh, but I also look at food supply chains and how competition law affects um, the food yeah. supply chains. So Amber, I urge you to get in touch with PID. We must put you on a, a roll. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so my question really is for uh, Salim Saab and, and for Kazim also Salim Saab, really a pleasure to see you here after many years now. Um, so what I'm interested in aap, is to find out that you have buyer side analysis kiya hai that you know, the companies rather who are buying from the farmers, what kind of policies and practices they're engaging in and is that somehow suppressing the price that is paid to the farmers as well, which in turn affects their you know, status, their livelihood, their ability to meet their requirements. Abedullah Saab ne baat ki, which I thought was quite on point. Uh, he said that contract farming is a very good idea and he used imtiaz as an example. So my question is that if there are no sort of regulatory, you know, uh, checks against companies like Imtiaz and others, there must be many others who are buying for farmers, what is to prevent them from engaging in exploitative practices against the farmers? So whilst we are opening up contract farming and positioning it as a as a desirable um, way forward, is there regulatory infrastructure to to, to actually manage the practices of these multinationals. Because ye to government supported nyongi, ye to market me ajengi. And yes, market practices are good, but we don't have a good, we don't have an effective, if I may say that, we don't have an effective uh, competition regulator in the country that can actually see that you exploit to ni kar rahe, uh, apne, apne practices ko. So my question sorry, just to end this question so my question is twofold uh, what is the extent of analysis we've done on the buyer side to understand uh, how they are interfacing with the farmers and secondly is there, a regulatory, is there a mapping of the regulatory infrastructure not just the regulatory infrastructure that that matches the, the agricultural side of things but also uh, the of the companies that are buying from uh, from the company uh, from the farmers very good G. Nihal White hand now. Uh, I hope I'm audible. I was having some network connectivity. Anyways, um, I'll, I'll try and make this quick. Um, some of the speakers mentioned that, uh, uh, I think it was Mr. Syme, he mentioned that there needs to be a, a need to address short term solutions, solutions that could probably be addressed in the next six months or the one year or in a one year time period. Um, but the problem is that. Uh, um, the agriculture sector and agriculture in general is not a quick responder. 
agriculture is a slow responder and uh, to expect that if we will implement some solutions today and uh, will reap uh, a benefit in six months or one year, it's a fallacy and it's akin to fooling ourselves. Well, it is simply not possible and it's just not how the agriculture sector works. And this is part of the problem that has been that, that has plagued the agriculture sector over the last many decades, that we expect that every year we'll create a new policy, every year a new government will come or a new minister will come or whoever will come and say, okay, no, this year we're going to try it this way and then uh, see how it goes for that one year and then a year later we'll see if it works. But that's not how it works. Let there be one long-term policy and let that stay and make sure that when you implement that policy, it, 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 it has uh, political support from across the board. Great. Number one. Um, number two, uh, the, the, one of the speakers also mentioned that there's a need to allow uh, the import of better seeds. Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce myself in the beginning. My name is Nihal and I work as a research assistant for economics at the Agriculture University in Rawalpindi. And uh, I, I also have a, a small seed startup where I was trying to import uh, highly productive strawberry seeds uh, from the United States and Spain. And I applied for a 25,000 plant permit, import permit uh, in May. It is now September and the DPP, which issues import permits, said to me that they can only allow 50 plants. I asked for 25,000 plants so I can test for two years and uh, satisfy Pakistani law and the DPP that this variety is tenable in Pakistan and it has potential to increase on-farm uh, incomes and uh, increase agricultural productivity. But when there's, uh, there's bureaucracy like this, which says that, uh, 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 you you can um, uh, import fifty plants and not twenty five thousand. It is beyond me that uh, how how we can even think of addressing the problems of the agriculture sector when the bureaucracy and uh, managing the agriculture sector in the government is uh, possibly in the stone age or even uh, or maybe not even there uh, right. because I simply could not gauge uh, how this was possible. Lastly, uh, 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 one of the speakers also mentioned that uh, to you know, mechanize all the paddy fields in Pakistan, you need $1.4 billion. I was just part, I was personally just part of a study that we did with the University of Agriculture Festival, and we just concluded this four days ago. Uh, and this was a month long, very intensive study. And uh, uh, the point of the study was, uh, if we wanted to bring on-farm technological uh, technology availability and machinery availability at par with the developed world. That would mean having the per acre horsepower at 2.5, which is almost at par with the developed world. Uh, we, we need, and this is for 50,000 acres a piece. So one center would serve 50,000 acres. We need close to $60 million. So let's not say that, okay, let's, we need someone to invest $1.4 billion because so, simply nobody has $1.4 billion in Pakistan to invest. Okay. But I'm sure there's a lot of banks and there's a lot of people who, who would be willing to invest just okay. $60 million for 50,000 acres. And we Thanks, would be able Nehal. to bring up our, mm -hmm. our uh, on-farm uh, machinery availability and uh, technology availability at par with the developed world. And this okay. would certainly address a lot of the productivity issues, regardless of what the farm size is. Because Thank you, Nehal. Year, I think everybody's got your point. Thank you. Thank you. Hassan Rasool, sir. Hello. Assalamu alaikum, Ji. My, my question regards to uh, uh, a query raised by Nasir Saab that diagnosis is more important. And then uh, I, would last, uh, I, I would like to ask uh, my question to uh, Dr. Ubaidullah and, uh, and 
and the paper writers specifically that throughout the supply chain there are different nodes we understand that there needs to be some sort of interventions at different value addition points so uh, please if anybody can appraise me sam if you can tell us about uh, keeping in view the recommendations you have where we need more interventions or where would these interventions would reap uh, greater results in comparison to others should we need to invest more on the input side or on the farm side or on the market side so where does uh, we actually need more investments that would reap greater results thank you thank you folks but uh, before i turn to the panel let me just raise a few points as well um you know we at um, we had a meeting yesterday with the chief statistician the new chief statistician and we've had many meetings with other statisticians especially for example asif bajwa is working with us who used to be the former chief statistician i think data is a big issue as some people raised but there's a bigger issue on agriculture in general on data which we should think about um it is a serious issue and needs to be addressed and karachi in particular is addressed in the last census which is why the last census has remained in abeyance uh that the definition of urban used in our census is all wrong for example in islamabad chakshazad banigala where the prime minister lives is rural and uh, similarly dha in lahore is rural so we have to get our definitions right on urban and rural because that's this is totally misleading raza ali in lahore has done a satellite data analysis not now but in 2012 and he reached the conclusion that 70% of pakistan is urban newer satellite analysis that we are doing shows that pakistan is very predominantly urban that rural area has rural area rural population is shrinking rapidly area is still there but it's shrinking rapidly so this notion that 40% of the population is employed by the rural area is also clearly uh, something that needs to be examined because you no know, rural urban poverty needs to be examined too because data shows that the urban poverty is much larger than rural poverty so there are lots of issues that need research unfortunately research is something that we don't do this country research is a, on low priority we've done some work as well to show we've written a book on research research is less than half a percent of gdp in pakistan and that too is spent on administrative budget this was really this country has a zero research budget absolutely zero research budget so we really don't know where things are we just bring things the second point i'd like to raise is which is very very important which need to be thought through in terms of everything we talk about in pakistan we raise the issue we we should do we should do i don't know who this we is because the government certainly is incapable of doing anything beyond islamabad every policy that that they make is kind of useless um and we end up only going to the world bank and the imf to get policies and then we don't even read them we don't even implement them so i don't know who this we is now in pid when i say we i mean pad in pad we've done some research and one of the researches that we did was we set up a growth agenda through a very long exercise very big exercise if you like please look at it on our website and in our growth agenda we didn't look at any sectors we actually declined to do sectoral work because we thought it is better to look at the economy as a systemic whole and we looked at the economy as a simplex as a sorry uh, systemic whole through the lens of complexity 
where everything is treated is interconnected and agriculture is interconnected with industry, industry is interconnected with uh, services. And the way the interconnection works is through the market mechanisms. You don't need to worry about value chains. You need to worry about the market mechanism. We were talking about what the market mechanisms are and where are the markets. And one thing that stood out very clearly, and this is something that people have mentioned again and again, when I started my life as an economist, which is a long, long time ago, uh, even before me, even before my time, in the 60s, people used to write about agricultural markets. And even today, we don't have an agricultural market anywhere. Uh, by that, I mean, the country doesn't have an agricultural market anywhere. The government intervenes almost everywhere along the value chain. The government is storage, the government does uh, seed, the government does uh, output, input pricing, everything. So quite frankly, in our analysis, the biggest problem is the government intervention. If the government doesn't withdraw, if the government doesn't allow the market to work, doesn't work. The final point that I'd like to raise is because there's a lot more to say, but I'll just say this, that Salim Reza mentioned the commodities exchange. We want to talk about the commodities exchange as part of the market. PAD is doing a big study on the commodities exchange. But the final point I'd like to raise is that agriculture is one sector First of all, development economics begins with agriculture and says that development takes place when rural-urban migration takes place. Through history, when England developed, there was a question of rural-urban migration. Everybody came to the slums of London, and there was an enclosure movement where England consolidated its farms and developed. In Pakistan, we are fragmenting our farms further, and then we are trying to wing it by saying, hey, put in machinery, levelers, etc. No. Don't we need, I'd like to ask the panel this question, two questions. What about the role of markets? Is it not a market solution? Should the government not get out? Two, what about the role of land consolidation? Without land consolidation, I don't think there can be any agricultural productivity. And in this is related, the fact is that the government doesn't allow land consolidation because the government has no mechanism for trading agricultural or any land and no mechanism for allowing land consolidation. I'll let it rest there. I'll go back to the panel. Please, whoever. Uh, sir, we've got one more question. Uh, maybe we should take that. Sure. So we've got two questions. Uh, please go ahead. Uh, Thank you. People who raise their hands. Yes. Uh, Hari Lohana, kindly ask your question. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Nadim Saab and other speakers. This is Hari Lohana from Bath, UK. I'm an economist. Uh, my main question with the speakers is, as Dr. Nadim Saab also pointed out, about the government's intervention. My question is, can we say the main failure, it is government's public policy to recognize the role of agriculture. As Dr. Saab said, government intervenes lot, invests less. Three areas, we are spending one of the lowest research and development on agriculture, whether it is on the input policy or the output, then inconsistency in the agriculture policy. So I would suggest that, can we explore that question? Is there any consistency in agriculture policy in the different governments? Let us take example now, the wheat policy. Just two days before it is announced that 
issue price has been increased. So my again question is how it will affect on the food inflation and the wheat prices. So my suggestion to the speakers is, can we explore how to make consistency in policies, particularly in agriculture to be carried, carried out okay. with other okay. governments as well? Thank okay. you. Udaji, Udari Energia. Huda, has Huda gone? Hello, sir. Am I audible? Hey, you Am are I audible now. GGG. Assalamu alaikum, sir, and always a pleasure. Uh, my name is Huda Najib Rooney. I, I am uh, a research economist at Bay Energia. Okay, so uh, I, I tuned into this discussion. I think it, it's always a pleasure to see it, right? Um, so I think that uh, the speakers left out one important information, you know, that um, who is this government that we keep speaking about? I mean, from what I understand uh, growing up in Pakistan, I think that the parliamentarians, uh, they are, most of them are the landlords. And uh, I, I think that the government acts as a monopoly, basically. So uh, why are we not speaking about that? I mean, it's very, very important to know that governments act as a monopoly and it drives up the private sector. And that's what has been happening. Yeah. So that's it. I'll, I'll keep it short to that. Thank you. Good point. Great. Wonderful. Okay, guys. Folks, I'll go back to the panel. Anybody wants to take up some of these questions? Uh, should I go first? Uh, go ahead. I'll go quickly ahead. just try to address uh, the broader questions. Then I'll request uh, Zafar Saab and uh, Kazim Saab to uh, share more details uh, on specific questions. The Pella question was from uh, Dawn. Uh, they are insisting that they want to know that failure is where. So I think uh, the discussion has been fairly clear. There are market failures all across the value chain. Uh, there are failures as far as government heavy interventions into the sector are concerned. Uh, they're not very efficient. Uh, the outcomes of those interventions are very questionable. Uh, but more importantly, we need to look at solutions or uh, this report is really about trying to see ke, uh, solutions kya de sakte hum, which can lead to results in the short term. Um, one of the questions was, ke, is agriculture, can we see a turnaround in the short term? Uh, and uh, the answer is yes. I mean, uh, this is one sector, just may there's a crop cycle every six months. So if anything, we could potentially see a stronger short-term uh, turnaround within the sector than we could do with uh, capital-intensive manufacturing processes. This way, uh, financial closure to actually setting up the plant and getting things working, uska time lag is much more versus the agriculture sector. Uh, there was a question from uh, Nehal. Uh, so I just want to request Nehal if you can please get in touch. I'm very interested in finding out about the study that he's conducted. So I'd request him if he can get in touch with me. Um, uh, Amber asked a question about the biocide analysis. Uh, but So I can tell you, Amber, we haven't done any detailed analysis, but uh, Kazim Saab will be able to share more details with you on this. Because uh, he does this uh, on a regular basis, he interacts with both the buyers and the sellers in the rural communities. 
uh, so maybe he can share some more details but uh, the idea is ki how do we give uh, the farmers a higher share of the income so the, the products that they make uh the value addition is taken away from them right i mean uh, once the they sell the product the price of that product by the time it reaches the end consumer multiplies many times and uh, that's what the study has tried to address ke through uh, facilities whether it is uh, uh you know uh, facilities for storage uh, you know they, they can help to reduce the post harvest losses and that gives the farmers some buying power so they they are able to uh, hold on to their commodity without having to sell immediately right which gives them some more purchasing power leading to higher uh, take home for the farmers um, on the data side uh, the question remains i i completely agree with the the questions asked data reliability is is a big challenge in pakistan and uh, you know we need to find a way around it jo hari lokana saab ne question kiya regarding government intervention i think we all pretty much broadly agree with it we need less government interventions in the sector we need more facilitation of the private sector by the government uh then uh, the toughest questions were asked by dr nadeem himself <laughs> as expected uh so uh really i mean you know the answers better than probably anybody else yes uh the government does intervene too much uh and uh you know we we don't know how to say uh, how to limit that we want markets there are market failures we need to move towards a more market based system and that's what our recommendations look at uh i'll stop there uh, and i'll uh, request uh, zafar saab uh, if you can add a few words ji thank you saim in fact i found uh, dr saab's uh, sort of comments question to wo the hi nahi comments to be the easiest of all because usi ke andar jawab bhi tha dr saab ne khud hi sawal bhi pucha tha aur jawab bhi khud hi de diya tha uski to bade aasan se jawab hai dr saab वो कहते हैं ना कि अगर आप अल्लाह ताला से पूछेंगे कि नमाज पढ़नी चाहिए नहीं तो ऑब्वियसली जवाब ही होगा कि बिल्कुल पढ़नी चाहिए तो देर फॉर यू नो दी आंसर इज देयर द ओनली ऑन अ स्लाइटली सीरियस नोट द फैक्ट ऑफ द मैटर इज दैट यू नो वी डोंट एक्सपेक्ट गवर्नमेंट टू इंटरवीन आई एम नॉट सजेस्टिंग दैट इट ऑल और नन ऑफ आर स्पीकर गवर्नमेंट मस्ट मेक श्योर दैट दे Uh, create the la- lay of the land sa- in such a way the, whether it's regulation whether it's initial hand holding which is required for the financial institutions and the farmers the training and all um that uh, that they have to do uh, somebody mentioned that you know it's been very i think the don group mentioned that you know it's been very erratic this is the uh, this is the dilemma of of our lives in pakistan it's not just agriculture Uh, wherever you see it's been uh, stop start stop start and that has been hurting us over many years and decades just to reinforce and reiterate my earlier point of view the whole idea of bringing this and i call it i would like to call it actually i won't call it elephant but surely we brought in the uh, camel in the room uh, where we would like people to see this and realize 
that look this sector needs more attention than you are giving to other sectors this is perhaps more important than the other two uh, larger segments i.e services as well as um, manufacturing uh, because both of them are driven by this the core comes from here and this is what this study is trying to achieve and i hope our initiative today uh, and this webinar uh, will open a new uh, and dawn be our partner as well will open a new dawn for agriculture financing and agriculture sector in pakistan uh, and with the policy makers that this is the sector which needs a special attention for the overall economic development job creation and mine and uh, science favorite uh, eradication of poverty uh, so thank you very much all the uh, audience uh, thank you to our panelists particular thank you to uh, to dr saab for moderating it and we're looking forward to now building upon this study which is just a starting point shukriya zafar saab siam bank of punjab don everybody thank you very much this has really been a wonderful session i think it's really opened up a lot of new vistas and avenues for discussion i thank you zafar saab i thank you siam i thank you don i think we should do many more of these pakistan needs a lot more discussion debate and understanding it creates more community it creates more country it creates better policy so with that i'll take your leave and i'll expect that we will do an urge that we will do a lot more of these thank you all khuda hafiz